Welcome to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, Senior Pastor of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. Our mission is to provide practical application of biblical truth to help you experience true purpose and lasting change that can begin now. Here's Pastor Russ. It's been a crazy week. I think I've never been part of anything quite like this. Um, and so um, I come into this, we all come into this going, all right, Lord, I mean, th- this is an opportunity to be the church. You know, it, it's a, a place where a, a different reality can be broadcast and experienced despite anything that's going on. And, you know, I think as we're looking at today, um, and half this message was, I started the process before it really went crazy this week in terms of just things being shut down and, you know, sports being canceled and suspended. And, um, and it's amazing how God was preparing my heart even then for, for today's word. And, you know, you know, before I start, it's one of these things we have to understand that uh, as, as the church, you see our response to this, this is not going to be a, a message on don't fear, you know, because I think some of we, we get that for the most part, you know, uh, we're, we're trying not to. I think the hardest thing is when culture around you is acting in a way that you may not understand or you realize that you're powerless to stop behavior. You know what I mean? I think I'm seeing a lot of frustration with that of just different opinions on how people are responding. And I mean, yeah, we joke, but you know, it's, you know, toilet paper shortage and this shortage and that shortage. And everyone's like, you know, I mean, I've made jokes about it going, what is going on with this? What's the connection? But the reality is, you know, as the church, you know, things will happen that are going to shake people's foundation. And without a true foundation, they're going to respond according to emotion, to their own understanding. They're going to respond in a way that they think is best. And so we may get frustrated or, you know, whatever, but our job is to bring light and gentleness and kindness and understanding. We're not to be scoffers. You know, we're not to place ourselves above anybody, but we're here. We're part of it. And so let's act as ones that have a source of strength and security that goes beyond everything, because we can't control human beings, right? But we can point them to something that is a lot more secure, you know? And so as we're looking today at it's in First Thessalonians 5. This is an incredible verse because I, I want to preface it by saying, you know, they're, they're, they're asking Paul they, about end times and, and the seasons of the end time and what that's going to look like. And I'm not saying that, man, we're like, this is it. This is the end of the world. <laughs> you nice hiccups. <laughs> that was hilarious. I'm like, what is that noise? <laughs> it's being broadcast everywhere, too. <laughs> Stay away. But what you're going to see in this is that there is a real psychological response to things that take you off guard that is directly connected to not having the Spirit of God. You're caught unaware. 
Because your focus is your focus, and then all of a sudden when what you focus on for your sense of security and, 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 and safety and you know, purpose is kind of rattled and totally taken you know, out from under you, a, a psychological response is to try to grab control again. And so this is what he is alluding to with this that I think pertains to us right now. And it says, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night, unexpected. For when they say, watch what they say, what do they say? Right, peace and safety. Then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. But real quick, let's go back to peace and safety. Who doesn't, who isn't driven by peace and safety? Who wants peace and safety for their children? Who works for peace and safety? Right? Who pursues passions for peace and safety? Peace and safety is what drives mankind. And so what they're saying is, here he is, he's saying, their focus is what pretty much everyone's focus is. It's peace and safety, peace and safety, peace and safety. And then all of a sudden, destruction comes, and they're not even prepared, and they don't know what to do. But he's saying, but you know differently. And so right now, we know differently at some level. But I think we've all been challenged because our standard, our, our, our source of peace and safety at some level has been uprooted. We just go to the store. Something I took for granted is now like, what is happening? You know what I mean? And this is just the beginning. We don't know how this is going to unfold. I mean, it's hard enough right now not having sports. I'm dying. <laughs> I'm dying. And I know some of you are like, whatever, you know. Thank you, yeah, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Answered prayers, right? <laughs> but watch this. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in what? We talked about wisdom last week, that we, ha- we are light. We have the light of Christ in us that gives us a different view and perspective and understanding of every situation in life. And it's no different during times like this. He says, you're not in darkness. You won't be totally caught unaware. Even though this is a surprise, we are still prepared in Christ to deal with whatever comes our way. Because our source of peace and strength is in Jesus, which transcends anything. But something like this puts it to the test, right? That's why it's a giant recalibration for everyone, including the church. And so he goes, so that this day should not overtake you as a thief. You are all sons and daughters of what? And sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. And when you say darkness, remember last week, it's not saying people are doing dark deeds. They're just Darkness, because the light of Christ is not in them, so they can only compute and come to decision-making through darkness, which is their own understanding, right? But he's like, you're not like that. You, ha- you can walk differently. Amen. And the light, hopefully, can shine upon darkness, right? I mean, that's the real hope. That's why we're here. 
And my biggest thing that I've seen, the pet peeve of mine I'm seeing, you know, just, just certain, just whatever I've seen. It's people that are in light scoffing those that are in the dark. And they don't know any better. And we do. It's just something I was so convicted of this week. Because even me, I'm telling you, I mean, even in private conversations, I'm like, what the, what is wrong with people? And God is like, they're in darkness. So how about you have a little patience, Russ? So what does he say? Now let's continue. In verse 6, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Be of sound mind. Be of a wise mind. Be of a godly understanding. Always, not just in times of tragedy, but always. That's what he's saying. Always be prepared for stuff like this. Because we're always preparing. We're preparing to live our lives. We're preparing to deal with difficult situations. But ultimately, we're preparing ourselves to deal with situations that affect the entire world and catch most people off guard. But he's like, you will not be caught off guard. And so for those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. Meaning it's like it's a product of darkness. You know, he's using a metaphor here. It's a product of darkness. That there's no, they don't know any different. But yet it says, but let us of who are of the day be sober of sound mind, putting on the breastplate of what? Now watch this next one. And? Love. What does the world need now? Love. Yeah. It's a Beatles song. <laughs> but do you see though? But I want you to see this. That during times of difficulty... We put on the breastplate of faith. This is where our hope comes from. And more importantly, love. To love one another and to love those that need it so desperately right now. It's an incredible opportunity. Everyone is affected. And we have not seen, I think, that we know the economic ramifications of this. I mean, I think it's going to be a ripple effect that we don't totally know. People are going to be desperate. They're going to be desperate. And we need to be prepared for that, just whoever we encounter, to help bring us a source of peace and love and understanding. And then it says, um, putting on a breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath. There's no need for us to be afraid. But to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. Watch this. Whether we are awake, living, or asleep, dead, we should live together with him. Meaning we are living together with him right now. He has not been phased by any of this. You see? So we can live together with him. And then bring that life wherever we go. Therefore, comfort each other. What's we're doing today? Edify one another, just as you all are doing. You see, we're living out. This is faith. This is how faith looks in motion. Faith, faith operates in the face of things that would normally maybe create hopelessness and fear and anxiety and restlessness and all sorts of stuff. And yet, we are able to gather and have peace and then comfort one another and build each other up saying, we're going to be okay no matter what happens. That's a good thing. And so... We're definitely in a season, right? I love it. I kind of, it's like, it's kind of cool because it's like, we've never, ever dealt with something like this. God can be God in a whole new way. 
right? And so one way that we need to operate, because remember, this is faith in action. What are some little, what are principles that we can put into place every day of our lives to prepare us, but to live out what it is, to live out our faith, to connect to our Savior, to connect to God, to connect to His truth that's a grounding agent, a real-life grounding agent. How do we do that on a daily basis? Because faith isn't a box we check, it's how we live because it's who we are. So what's a principle? And we go into these principles, right? So one important principle, if we go down now in First Thessalonians, down to verse 1, 16, it says what? Always. Always. Like no asterisk, except for da 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 da. Rejoice. You got to remember what he, he has just written in those first 11 verses. Now, here now he's just given some very practical instructions. He says, This is how we prepare, this is how we let, rejoice. How do you, what is rejoice? What does that mean? Yell it out. Peace. Praise. Praise. Thanks. Thanks. Kindness. Kindness. Yeah, worship. Anybody else? Gratitude. Gratitude. Yeah. See, rejoice, the word means, uh, it's a verb, to be cheerful. Always. Now, does that mean... It's a fake, like, oh, I'm so happy for the coronavirus. <laughs> no? No, it's where you're being cheerful in the truth of your circumstance, which is God is with you. That's why it says always. We can rejoice always, choose to be cheerful Always. It doesn't mean we're like praising God over this horrible circumstance. You know, yes, we're praying our way through it, but we choose to be cheerful based on who is our Father, our Savior, who is with us, who is in us, who goes before us, who is behind us, who is above us, who's on our right and our left side, right? So this is what we continue. We have to make a choice here. But then when the whole world's going chaotic, it's hard to go, all right, I'm going to be cheerful. Especially when your life is affected, right? Especially when now when kids are out of school for an indefinite amount of time and your parents are like, no! (laughs) No! You see what I mean? I mean, it's affecting us whether we like it or not. So it doesn't mean we're like, we just have to choose to be cheerful in the truth. And so... Paul repeats himself. I love it. You find a principle, you're going to see it repeated often in Scripture. So it means it's important. But Paul wrote to the Philippians, verse 4 of chapter 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord. There's that word again. Again, I will say, rejoice. This wasn't sunny optimism or positive mental attitude. It's a confidence in God's control. There's a difference. There's a difference between just mentally just, oh, no, I'm just going to not let any negativity touch me. No, it's, it's rejoicing in the confidence that God is with you and in control. Even if negativity comes up against you and affects your life as you know it, you could still choose to rejoice in the truth of whose hand is upon you. See, it's a living faith. It's a faith is something we have to understand isn't a place you go to. 
It's who you are. This is a place we come as a result of our faith to encourage one another, to worship, to praise, to hear the word, to be taught. But more importantly, we have to take the reality of this and move it out there. And this is a world that, I mean, we, we, we are all learning. But man, if we can learn to rejoice always, which is a discipline that I'm just now learning, it bears fruit. Christians don't need to groan. I think sometimes we, there's this mentality like because we know the darkness and, and this and where the world is going and this and that. It's, just, it's like this, they're not happy. They're heavy. And I love, I was reading, Charles Spurgeon wrote this. I mean, he, he, he existed a long time ago, but I love what he said here. Turn this book over, the Bible, and see if there be any precept that the Lord has given you in which he has said, groan in the Lord always. <laughs> and again, I say, groan. <laughs> you may groan if you like. You have, a, you have Christian liberty for that. But at the same time, do believe that you have a larger liberty to rejoice for so it is put before you. Who would say, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the first to admit it, it's sometimes it feels so good to groan. You just want to soak in that tub. It's easy. It's so easy to groan and you feel justified and you feel, it just feels good. You got to complain. You got to groan. You got to just, my life is being affected and people, oh, it feels good. But how are we different than anybody else? But yet, that's our natural tendency. You see, groaning is a state of understanding and a state, it's, it's a reflective of a focus. It doesn't mean we're just like, impervious to having issues that we might just need to vent about. I'm not saying that. Let's be real. But it's understanding in the middle of that, say, okay, I've done my groaning. I got to choose now to rejoice. I got to choose to rejoice. We can kind of understand that because we have something that goes beyond what people understand in this world that don't have the spirit of God in them. When people are suffering and people's whole livelihood and their whole world is being turned upside down, they don't need us to come up and say, hey, just be cheerful. They're like, about what? We need to demonstrate that inner peace. We need to be able to, to bring a, 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 a personality of a, a joyful cheerful kindness that gives them an example of something else in the midst of us. That makes sense. You know, so, so we say rejoice, you know, and some of you already said it, but how, how do you rejoice? So this is how I study. I kind of look at that and say, okay, cool. Rejoice always. But I'm like, well, what, how do you words? There you go. Smile. Scripture, singing, singing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a ton. There's no like right or wrong answer, but you need to think about, well, how does that play out functionally in your life? And what I love is Paul actually gives us a way to do it that I think is quite powerful because he continues in verse 16 of First Thessalonians 5. It says this, it says rejoice always, but then what does he say? So if you're rejoicing always and praying without ceasing, guess what you're doing all the time? You're praying. 
And prayer is powerful. Prayer is not about a posture. Prayer is about communication. Prayer is about how you decide to communicate with your Lord. Praying, I think, can be either put in a box or not understood. Prayer is constant. Prayer is something that we learn to do, just like we learn to talk and develop relationship with people. It comes through conversation, and the more you like someone, the more you want to talk with them. This is what prayer is, and it connects us to the living God. And so he's saying, yes, rejoice always, but you kind of need the the praying also because it helps connect you. But a lot of times, we're not praying. We're having a communication with ourselves or with others or a communication with our fear or a communication with our frustration, communicate, right? But we're not communicating with one that is above it all. And so he's saying, rejoice always and pray without ceasing. I'm just giving us a practical tool. How often are you praying? To me, it could be increased no matter how much you do it. And I've learned, like, one thing I've grown in is just, I just kind of, just pray. Like, I just talk. It doesn't have to be out loud, but I'm always talking. <laughs> and sometimes in my car, I'm like, well, people will think I'm on Bluetooth, so that's good. <laughs> right? <laughs> but it's just talk. It's like, oh, Lord, sorry I did that. Oh, Lord, thank you for that. You just, it's just, Lord, why, why? You know, it's just constant. Like, Lord, you saw me. I can't believe I'm thinking that. Help me. And I'm just constantly talking. And I love that habit, but I could get increase in that habit also. But again, how often are you praying? Because this is what the root word is, means of this word pray. This was so powerful for me. Like, why pray? Why is it so important? Well, the root of prayer, it actually, it's a, prepar- a preposition of direction. Where are you pointing your focus? Where are you pointing your thoughts? Where are you pointing your energies? And it's forward. It's towards somebody. See, not praying sometimes is this. It's say, like, you'd say you're, I don't want to say you're God, but you're in that direction. Yeah. Prayer is this. Okay? I want you all to get, this is what this does. A lot of times we're focused on something else. And we're letting, we're having a community, we're having a, a talk with this. When we should be seeking this. I'm like, that is powerful. It's a powerful visual for me. And it says, it also means the side of, by the side of, near, or nearness. So it's not just directional. It actually brings God to our side. Isn't that cool to think of? I think sometimes when we pray to God, we think he's way up there on his throne. And it's like, like the words are coming to him over light years and light years and reaching him. He's like, no, no, no. We're literally having a conversation. We're bringing the reality of his nearness like, into, like, into our like, reality. It's nearness. This is how you rejoice. This is how cheer, joy can come, can, can supersede or transcend what we're going through because there's a nearness of the creator. Come on. This is what prayer does. Prayer isn't just asking. Prayer is worship. Prayer is declaring his goodness, thanking him for his goodness, thanking him for who he is. Just talking like, Lord, I don't know what to do kind of talk. You see, action item, if you're writing it down, is pray always. I just want you to get the, oh, duh. But again, we're looking at why it's so powerful, why it's so, such a practical thing that we can do to elevate our faith and to strengthen us. 
because it's about nearness. It's about nearness. Who would say seeing someone in person is a lot more fulfilling than seeing someone via FaceTime? It's still good, but man, just to, to, to have them near, it's awesome. And, in, and here, and right now in this present state, we're told to stay. But yet, I'm telling you to bring God, let's break the six foot rule. Right? James says, in four, verse 7, it says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Then it says, draw near to who? And he will draw near to? It's a promise. So, submitting to God in times like this is saying no to complaining, no to this, no to that. Because the enemy is, would love right now to create hostility and discontentment and, 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 and disrupt harmony and, and get the, 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 the church to begin to act in a place of arrogance and impatience because people aren't responding the way we respond. No, we resist that. And we draw near so that we can walk out into all this knowing God is near and can help us see differently and to help. And the nearness of God, I'm telling you, guys, this is huge. Do you know in the Old Testament, these people, these first hearers of this would understand the gravity of what he is saying because you could not draw near to God under the Old Covenant. You would be destroyed. But now he's saying, draw near and he will draw near to you. Do you like, you mean the same God that was in the Holy of Holies? That could only be approached like once a year. And even then, the one that approached him had to have a rope on his ankle in case he died before the glory of the Lord. They'd have to pull him out. That God? Yes. I mean, how awesome is that? That we have access to that type of nearness that could change our perspective completely. Prayer is one of the best ways that we can continue to stay near. Always. And it doesn't mean it's going to be an emotional high always. It just means we are grabbing onto the truth, and that truth becomes an anchor, and we choose to be joyful about the truth, even if the circumstances aren't producing much joy, so that we can walk differently. And we've already talked about as we draw near, we do that through what we're doing today, but as we are walking on our own, minute by minute, we can worship, we can praise him, and we can pray continually. Because I want us to be a part of the solution, right? Because the, the fields are ripe, with, I mean, they're, right, they're, they're white, I mean, they're ready for harvest. And look at Philippians 4.4. 4. So he says again, rejoice in the Lord, What? Again, I will say rejoice. Now watch what he follows it up with. It's almost like he's saying, this is the product. Let your what? Be known to how many? All men. Let your gentleness. Gentleness. Be known. The only way we can be gentle in times like this is by having the spirit of God. Because the last thing you want to do is be gentle 
especially when people are like stealing the last <laughs> pack of something <laughs> and elbowing each other and, and crowding and, and yelling. And, you know, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, we have a friend uh, who was a manager of the Costco down south, and he's like, like he's seeing the worst of this. And it's crazy. It's crazy. But, you know, but again, how do we respond? People are grabbing crazy things. He said, he's taking pictures of what people are <laughs> putting in their cart. One lady had a cart full of ranch dressing and cheese its Uh, to each his own, I guess. <laughs> Grab the Cheez-Its! <laughs> and the ranch. Forget the toilet paper. <laughs> anyway, side note. <laughs> be gentle to all men. The Lord is at hand. And then he goes on to say, be anxious for nothing. He doesn't leave it there. He puts a comma and says, okay, here's a pause. But... In there by what this means worship a worshipful prayer or supplication which is asking in everything with what this is the hard one <laughs> with thanksgiving in all things. Let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The thanksgiving peace is a big peace. This is that rejoicing. Remember? Let's get back to that. Choosing to be cheerful. Choosing to be thankful. What are we thanking him for? Are we thanking him for a virus? No. We're thanking him for him. We're thanking him for his spirit. We're thanking him for his grace and mercy and faithfulness. We're thanking him that we are of him and not of the world, that we don't have to worry as the world does when this world gets turned upside down, but that we could respond differently. We are thankful for that. So you see, it's all interwoven. And what happens? This is what I love. What he promises, he doesn't say you're going to get every answer to your prayer. He says, I'm going to guard your heart and mind. We need this guarded because if it's not guarded, we start to act like everybody else. But when it's guarded by the Spirit of God, we respond with our thoughts and our words and everything differently, right? So again, it, it, it's, it's, it's something we could practically choose in this time. And just let it do what it needs to do as we, as we walk out into this world, because, you know, we don't know what it's going to happen. I mean, obviously, it's changing every day, but God doesn't. That's so awesome. And so he repeats himself again in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything, what? Huh. It's like, there it is again. For this, you want to know what the will of God is for you? Here it is. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What's his will? Is that you give thanks for everything. That's proof of his majesty. That's proof of who he is in his supreme authority. See, that's to him. If we can do that, then he knows, God knows, you get it, my kids, my children. You got it. 
You got it. But if you grumble like the world grumbles, you're missing it. But if you can give thanks in all things, that's his will for you. That means, all right, my faith and my my well-being and my life is rooted in something that's eternal. So, man, this is awesome. And bring it to your kids. You know, one of my, one of my youngest kids, I mean, he's a little worried about all this. They're hearing all this, and she doesn't know how to process it. If we're walking around in the spirit of fear, you think that's going to help my kids? No. It doesn't mean you don't take precaution. I'm not one of those, like, I can't be touched by anything. That's not true. It's false teaching. You can be. You can be. Sickness happens. But no matter sick or well, we can be okay. And that's what we're trying to teach them. There's nothing to fear. God's with us. You see what I mean? So it starts in our home, and then it works its way out from there. Just be relatable, people. (laughs) Be relatable. Be gentle. Have patience. And we're going to get through this. We are. We're going to get through it. And it's awesome to be able to see this and go, all right, look. We're here. And those of you that have joined us online, you're here. So let's take it, take it into our lives. Amen? Man, isn't he so good? Just a perfect word for this. I'm just like, Lord, you're amazing. You're amazing. Yeah, you come on up. Yeah. So that minister to y'all? Yes. Do you know what you need to do? Yes. That's right. But it's a decision, right? And when people start acting a little more crazy, you're going to get all frustrated at them? No. They don't know any different. And we're having a hard enough time anyway, and we have God. Some of us are doing just the same thing. I mean, it's not like, we all need to work at this. But man, I love being part of a church body that can come together and do this in the midst of all this. Isn't this awesome? What a privilege. What a privilege it is to serve the king. Amen. Yes. So, let's pray, and you can lead us in the... A worship song so we can rejoice. Yes. <laughs> Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much for this time. And Lord, the people that are here and the people that have joined us, the, Lord, we thank you that as we gather, it's your word that brings unity and comfort, Lord. And I thank you that, uh, whoa, as we come together, your name is glorified. And as your name is glorified, Jesus, I know that the light of who you are can penetrate even to our hearts where there's darkness and fear and concern, Lord, to bring a peace. Lord, I pray for those in here and watching that there is a new level of peace and understanding about your goodness, about how you operate, and that we are your children, Lord, and that nothing, nothing can take that away. Lord, we pray for those around us that so desperately need the light of your word and truth. Help us be that example. Help us see opportunities, Lord. Most importantly, Lord, guard our hearts so that we can be gentle and loving, speaking truth and words of comfort. Amen. You've been listening to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, an outreach of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. To contact Pastor Russ, visit his website at russfalachi.com. That's Russ, F-A-I-L-L-A-C-I dot com. Thanks for listening. And remember, an alive faith is an applied faith.